today we pick up a story that would have started last night, Saturday evening, the end of the Jewish Sabbath. Now, uh, if you ask me about the mood, I would say um, the mood is cold. The followers of Jesus have witnessed his brutal death on Friday. So they've witnessed the brutal death, and Saturday through the evening would have been a time of painful reflection for them and confusion as they tried to process all that had happened to their Lord Jesus on Friday. They're trying to process all that thing that it's going into their minds. They were not able to do much about his burial. Because of the Jewish Sabbath, it was a time of rest and no work was to be done. And you can just imagine on Saturday what was going into their mind as they are reflecting. You know, we've given up all to follow this man. The confusion, the shame, what people were saying when Jesus was on the cross. As I spoke on Friday about the potential victory that Jesus' death has brought to us. But when you think about it on Friday itself, I think what was going out, it's hopelessness. Because Jesus is buried, it's covered, a stone is put in front of his tomb. No one could see inside. Seems like there is no hope at all. This is the experience that the disciples had on Friday and Saturday, the confusion the pain, the frustration, the fear. But today, we are talking of hope. What seemed difficult on Friday, impossible. That's the reason why today I said we are in a different atmosphere because we are talking about what had seemed impossible on Friday, but today it's possible. We can shout, we can sing because we know that this Jesus is alive today. So we are going to be going through Mark chapter 16, reading from verse 1 to 8. I'm going to ask, I've asked Ilana to come up so she can read God's word for us. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they had asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified? He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, 
just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Thank you. This is God's word. Dear Lord, we thank you. We thank for the hope that we have in you, Jesus. We thank for the good news of your resurrection. And this morning, Lord, I pray that we would trade our shame, we would trade our sickness, we would trade all the things that might hinder us to see this truth of who you are. And to see, and not just to see, but also to embrace the truth of your resurrection. And not just to embrace, but to start to live in the reality of it. That's my prayer, Lord. Speak to us. In your name, Christ, I pray. Amen. Wonderful. So when we look in verse 1 here, we are told there are actually three women. You know, this is a journey to encounter death. So they are preparing this journey to go encounter death. I want you to think about this. If we read this, just as the way, you know, to Christ followers, maybe you've heard this story many, many times, and you read your Bible all the time, but if you disconnect a human reality from it, it's not going to help you. Ah, here's what I mean by that. These three women a real human being. They are on a journey to encounter death. If you've lost your loved one, my wife and I, we were counting the other day for the last five years, we've lost at least 10 relatives. And it was more of like an exchange. This year it's our, and the other year it's me, and all that. The reality of that. You know, it comes with a lot of emotions, fear, desperation, hopelessness, frustration. There is so much. And I believe these three women were experiencing that. And for me, in most cases, the relative that had lost, especially that all this happens from distance, you don't seem to believe it. Until you are waiting for the burial, you are waiting for that day, you are waiting for the funeral, even to see on a Zoom so that you can be sure that it has happened. That's a journey to encounter death. It must have been difficult for a mother to have to wait in a desire to anoint a son and to restore some dignity to him. This is what we just read here in verse 1. After all the shameful ways that, you know, she experienced and the son experienced on Friday, the insults. Waiting for hours to go and get what she needs to anoint a son in death. But not just a son. The one who she thought would be the savior and hope. Of all of God's people. The one who she thought was going to save God's people. Now I can just imagine 
the insults, the shame that she was walking with. These women had given their lives to follow Jesus. All the promises, all that Jesus had taught them, they believed all those things, the miracles, the things they saw. But this time, Jesus is no longer. And we are told in verse 2, and very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? So once they had what they needed, they would have to wait an entire night. Another night of sleeplessness. They were mourning. They were crying, grieving. They were confused. And knowing that the next day they would go on a journey to encounter death. And they, they, they are struggling with this question as they are thinking about that. They know for sure that. But we are going to encounter an obstacle in front of us. Yes, we want to go do the right thing. But there is a big stone. Who is going to take it out? Who is going to roll it away? You know, if you think about it, in our consumer culture, if something is lost or broken, we simply replace it or fix it. But this is not the case here. There is no way that they can fix death. It has happened. Think about it. Death is, you know, it's, it's kind of like it's the end. I love fixing stuff. I believe you do too. You know, when things are broken and, you know, we're in a culture where we want to fix things. We want to see things like, it's broken, I can fix. But here, this is not the case. These women are going on a journey to encounter death. They're not going to fix. They're just going to encounter death. They want to make sure that they are hurt. They want to close the chapter. I wonder what was going on. I can just imagine the frustration. And what death brought into our life, it dashes up in a deep and a complete way. It kills our hope. As these women move towards the tomb, I am sure they were experiencing many of these, you know, emotions going into their minds, a deep sense of loss, of, you know, they've lost hope. As they come closer and closer to the tomb of Jesus, you know, the amount of hopelessness continue to increase. And the question is, who will roll away the stone for us from the interest of the tomb as they get closer? This thing is immovable. No one can move it. It's immovable. It's like death itself. So we found ourselves with these true men who are so desperate. 
moving towards death. Having to come to terms with the reality of it and wanting to close this chapter, wanting to understand what had happened on Friday and all that had been going through their lives, the confusion, the fear on Saturday throughout. Like even for, you know, for myself, speaking about the death of, the death of experience in our, in our own family, it's like every night until, you, you know, when the barrel or the funeral, you call it to happen, every night there is no way that you get to close your eyes. You don't ask so many questions. You are thinking like the person still there. You are trying to understand. You are trying to believe. But yet again, there is like this resistance to say, no, it's not true. It's not true. These women, these, these, these three women, they went through the same kind of emotions. A lot was happening into their lives. Human emotion, needs and fear as they approached the tomb of Jesus. But what is so incredible that we are going to discover short about this moment in history is that unknowingly they were not moving towards an, an, an encounter with death. That's not what they were moving towards. But we are thinking and we can see that when they are going there, that's what they are going to encounter. But unknowingly themselves, they did not know they were about to find out that they were on a journey to encounter the power of God. They were on a journey to encounter the power of God. A journey to encounter the power of God. And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. That's what we are told. In other versions, it said it was very big. But the stone is no longer there. There must have been so many thoughts racing through their heads at this point. They are looking. They said, okay, we were talking about this stone. A journey to encounter death now has turned to be a journey to encounter the power of God. The stone is being rolled away. Who did this? What does it mean? I think these should have been questions that they were asking. What does this mean? We were just talking about, you know, who is going to move that stone. But now, look, the stone is no longer there. And when they arrived in the tomb, inside of death and hopelessness, they encounter heaven. Breaking into this world. Firstly, in a form of a messenger from heaven. We are told that, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. So a young man sitting there. Where is the body of the Lord Jesus? They are alarmed. They are not too very sure what is really happening at this stage. They had not fully realized that they were first-hand witnesses of the greatest moment in history. 
an incredible display of the power, purposes, and plans of God in that moment. They are standing in the middle of centuries of prophetic words and promised being fulfilled. Guess who are the first to witness this? They are women. Now we live in a society and culture where when you look at women, we talk about women, we feel like they're weak. We think like they cannot achieve anything. But these are the first witnesses to stand that the people are going to walk away to carry this message, to tell others about what has just happened. I want women to understand that you are not second. Or you are not second hand, maybe to say it in that way. You are the first witnesses to stand, to witness the incredible story of our Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then comes the message of this messenger. Which would become the message that every Christ follower who has been or who will be and is still to be would respond to and proclaim with all of their lives as we are proclaiming it this morning. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they, they led him. But go, tell his disciples, and tell Peter. Peter, the guy who denied him. Tell Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Let us unpack some of these phrases very briefly. He is not here. The tomb is empty. The body of Jesus is not there. The empty tomb demands an explanation. We have to explain. In fact, I have to say, without the reality... Of the empty tomb, there is no meaning to Christianity. We can't move towards Jesus or accept simply his teaching. We need to make sense of the empty tomb. And the implication on the fullness of his claims, claims such as, I am God. That's why Jesus said, I am God. Now, let's think about this. In John 1, 1, the word become flesh. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So, in the beginning, this is the man Jesus. In the beginning, it was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. If the word was God, then it makes sense for me for the tomb to be empty, because there is no way that the creator of death himself can be consumed by death. It is not possible. The tomb, the reason it's empty, because the creator has conquered death. He created it. He understands its roots. If death could have overcome the creator God, then there is no hope for the Christian faith. There is no meaning to it. And they were told, he is risen. 
He is alive. All the battles he fought on Friday is won. All the battles, the shame, the what? He was quiet himself. He took on all these guys, all these rulers. The battle is won. Is won on your behalf. Is won on my behalf. All he said he would do and that he said he is, he is and has been done. That's what we are witnessing here. And the message that Jesus was giving to them in Mark 14, 27 to 28. Jesus said to them, you will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. I will go before you there. Something is going to happen. In Mark chapter 9, we are told, the second part of verse 31, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after three days, he will rise. Just as he told you. Encountering the power of God. Friends, let me say this. As we were busy worshiping, I don't know if maybe for you, when we worship God with songs, they are just songs. But I want you to know that those can be a greatest prophetic moment and not just looking to this time. As we were worshiping, as we were singing about trading our shame, trading our sickness, I felt that God was communicating something to some people here this morning, even to those of you online. Friends, there is power in the name of Jesus. These women encounter the power of God. And it was not just them. We continue to encounter the power of God in the name of Jesus. And the messenger said to them, There you will see him. Go and see him. Talk to him. Encounter him. The wonderful claim of the Christian faith is that we can know and engage with the living God of the universe. Even now. When we talk about to say you have, you know, a personal relationship with God. Do you have that personal relationship with God? That's what we mean. You know, he's a living God. He's a living God. The personal relationship with him should be real. Your personal relationship with him should be real. I want you to understand this, Christ followers. Because of this moment, your faith is not a philosophy. Because of this event, our faith is not a philosophy. It's not a dead religion. Or a collective of human wisdom that is helpful. This is not the case. Christianity, there is the power of God that we get to encounter by believing and following Jesus Christ. Who we believe that is a living God. You can bring me all sorts of kind of great ideas, etc. The wisdom, but I want to see whether you have believed and encounter the living God. Then I will follow you. I will believe what you are saying and I will follow you. So when we encourage each other to say, spend time in prayer, spend time 
in God's word. Because there is the power when we get to engage. There is a relationship with our Father when you are engaging, when you are giving yourself into God's word to read it, making time for that. There are whispers. That's why you get people say, I sense the Lord saying this to me. It's true. Have encountered the power of God. And God continued to shape the way we make our decisions. If you are too confused, you are a cross follower, and you find yourself that you just move with the momentum, then you have to ask yourself a question. Maybe you haven't truly encountered the living God. Because people who have encountered Christ, who have encountered the power of Christ, who understand that he's a living God, and he continued to speak today, he continued to presence himself because he promised to be with us to the end of the earth. That is his promise. So if you encounter the power of God as a child of God, then you are not going to be carried from left to right and you don't know where you belong or where you are going. I have to think and believe that the people who should have the greatest stability in life, not material stability, though those can be part of God's blessing, but the stability in a sense of understanding, having a different perspective on life, should be Christ followers. But yet, that's not the case we, we find ourselves with today. We are the most scary people. In the face of death, in the face of any challenge, etc. Now, we, this, you know, it is okay. It was okay for Peter to deny Jesus before the truth of Jesus' resurrection. But we are reading this after the event has happened when we see the guy who denied Jesus now was ready to die for him because he could not resist the truth of his resurrection. This guy is real. This guy is alive. And the messenger said to them, do not be alarmed. This power of God is mighty, is breaking in of heaven in this moment, is a display of complete, raw, real, beyond this world's power. It's real. If you speak to any Christ follower, they've got their own God story. And I love to share my God's story, the story of salvation. I love to hear other people's God's story because that was the moment when heaven broke into your life. It was the moment when there was a breaking in of heaven, when God arrested you, when God came down and God get to intervene in your life. There are so many stories, people are saying, I was just driving to work and I was going through a lot of things, but I just felt this peace come upon me. And I spoke to my friend at work and my friend shared with me about their testimony. Then I realized I'm not alone and they asked if they could pray with me. And that prayer changed my entire life. That was the day when heaven broke into their lives. They encountered the power of God. Do not be alarmed. They do not need to fear this power. We can trust that God will use it for our good. You know, we don't have to fear. And these these women were, were quiet. This message declares loudly and clearly that death is defeated. The resurrection body of Jesus is a wonderful foretaste 
first fruit of what is to be, the inheritance of who of all who trust in him. His glorious resurrection body speaks to our bodies. It speaks to our bodies. There is hope beyond your fear of death. There is hope beyond any kind of fear that you might be going through now. There is hope of something new. Heaven has broken in and death is no longer final. When I think about our siblings, those we've, we've lost, I know for sure that death has no final words on their lives. You know, it is Jesus who has the final words in their lives. And I believe for sure that those who knew him one day, I am going to see them in a nicely and shining body. I believe that that's the truth. That's the reason why when I preach about resurrection, I preach with a lot of conviction because I believe that this is not just a story. I believe that Jesus is alive. I believe that it's true. It's worthy of our of our celebration and worship. How do we know if we have grasped the depth of what happened on this Sunday morning? How do we know? We know because of the power of God is at work. The strength of Jesus and his incredible goodness and kindness towards us. Encountering the wonder of God. We see that in verse 8. And they went out and fled from the tomb from, for, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. You see that? Astonishment seized them. They could not help but be astonished by the news of the resurrection and their encounter with heaven. A deep and real encounter with the power of Jesus. So powerful was this moment that they were very shocked. They trembled and were afraid to witness the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. I have to ask you a question if you're a cross follower following me now. When last you cross follower, did the wonder of the cross bring you to a silence as you reflected on it? You know, when last did you actually pause and reflect on the wonder of the cross, reflect on the resurrected king, the Messiah, the living God? I remember when I came in this country, the first few days, the first few weeks, the first few months, the first few years, they were so precious to me. Everywhere I walk, I admired the building, the beauty, the water, the mountains. But as time goes by, as time goes by, I start to lose. I start to lose the wonder. I start to actually pass it by, not actually pausing, relaxing, and appreciating and looking at it. I think there is a danger for Christ followers that as we talk about the cross, as we talk about the resurrection, we might lose the wonder of that, the power that is in there. I want you to know, if we say that we are those who are to walk by faith, this reality, this truth of the cross, this truth of Jesus' resurrection should be added 
the top list should be the priority. It's something that every time we reflect on it, it has to give us hope. It has to give us hope to say we can still believe in healing. We can still believe that God can move, can roll the stone of disappointment. We can still believe that God can restore marriages. He can restore so many things. We can still believe. But if we bypass it, if we just read it as though it's a story that we are familiar with it, there is no power that we are going to experience. I have to train myself time and time again to stand and look at the mountain and say, I live in the most beautiful city in the world. It requires a time of silence to reflect on the beauty of what Christ has done for us. He has paid the most precious price for the human race. I am called the child of God because of this, because of what Christ has done. You the same. And maybe you are here today, it's your first time. You are searching for the truth. You know, you are looking, you want to explore the claims of Jesus. My question to you is, when last did you let this truth of God's power and goodness Silence all the voices of fear, anxiety, and doubt in your heart. When last? Can you take a moment just to say, I have been allowing so many voices to shape the way I live my life. But right now, today, as I'm listening, I want to silence all these other voices. I want to pray and ask God to really deal with me, to come. I want to believe this truth of our Lord Jesus, of, of, of Jesus Christ. I want, I want to try it. I want to really give myself to the truth of who they're saying he is. When last did you just pause and said, I have been searching and I've been listening to different voices, but I want to, to listen to the voice of the creator, the maker. I am going to go, I'm going to grab a Bible myself. I am going to ask if you are real God, if you exist, can you speak to me through your word? God is able, the power of God is at work and God will do it. Can I ask the band to please come up? I would like to invite us to a time of celebration. These women, Jesus' disciples, and all his followers would not be silent for a long time. You know, after that experience, they ran out. You know, the silence was just for a moment. But after the experience, they ran out. They went to tell other disciples. And Jesus appeared to them. And then he appeared to a large crowd. Other commentators, they said more than 500. They saw him. And that message did not rest with them. They did not keep it to themselves. If today we are preaching about the resurrected king, it's not us who are the first one to do it. As I'm preaching it here, they are preaching it in Malawi. As I'm preaching it here in India, they are preaching it in America, every part of the world. They are preaching the same message. It started with those guys. It started with those three women who went hopeless. They went there. They were not expecting what they encountered. 
A journey to encounter death become a journey to encounter the power of God. Encountering the wonder of God. I want to invite you to embrace this journey. Can I invite us to stand? I want us to join the band. Peter and them and the rest of the disciples and all his followers, the followers of Jesus, they would worship him, declare his goodness, even at the cost of their own lives, because death does not have the final say. Our king has silenced it for good. We do not fear it because there is now hope beyond death. We do not fear it. And if we cannot fear death, why are you so scared about other little things that are happening in your life? If Jesus has overcome death, he's able to roll away that stone that is standing between you and him. Now I want to invite us to worship God all joyfully, to join the worship to join the band as we are worshiping the risen king. Jesus is alive. We believe in the living God. And he says, the promise he gave us, he said, where two or more will gather in my name, there I am. He is right here with us. And God is omnipresent. Jesus is sitting at the same time on the right hand of the Father. He is interceding for his church. What is it that is bothering you? What is it that you are, you are looking at God and bringing, bringing God down to the level of your issues? It's bigger than that. It's bigger than your troubles. It's bigger than your fears. It's bigger than your limitations. It's bigger than what you cannot do. He's able. He's able to do it is able to open, to roll the stone, to allow you to see that there is, the, the, the tomb is empty. There is no one there. Jesus is alive. Let this truth be the reality of your life. As you make decisions for your life, as you allow God, allow this truth to sit Allow this truth to become real, to say that you are following, if you're a Christ follower, you are following a living God. Let's join the band, and I'm going to ask Rich, who's going to, to close the prayer and maybe some benediction over us as we continue to celebrate our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who is alive. Amen. God bless you.